Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. It's your host with the most, Chris. Hope everyone's having a fantastic day today. A lot of stuff going on. So, first of all, I mean, a little disclaimer. For those of you that are viewing this on YouTube, if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Music, so my room is a little bit of, a lot of stuff is missing. So, I just wanted to let y'all know that I am in the middle of a move right now, so I'm kind of packing my stuff up and getting ready to move out of this place where I'm at right now, and then move into the next place where I'm going to be at for a while. So, probably for the time being, my room's going to look a little empty, so like, obviously, if you're seeing this on YouTube, you can see it if you are on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Amazon Music, you can't see it, but I have a wall of Funko Pops that are right over here, and it's just a giant wall of them, some stuff I have um, kind of set up. You know, some one guy from Italy stuff, my liquid death in the back, all that stuff. So kind of those things you're kind of used to seeing are not up right now. Just because, like I said, I am in the middle of a move. So stuff is kind of taken down and kind of, you know, put away in boxes or in bags. Because it's a little bit of a process and I have to move out within a couple of weeks. So, uh, so probably for the next couple episodes, you're going to see like kind of stuff either put away or kind of see boxes in certain areas or bags or empty shelves or an empty wall again. Which sucks because we just got this poster of, uh, from the West Texas Comic Con that we just put up and now we got to put down. The Butterbean boxing gloves are put up in a way. And some other cool stuff that I have that you can visually see if you're looking at this on YouTube is gone for right now. But it's not going to be gone forever. It's just gone. It's just put up temporarily until I can move into wherever I'm going next. And then that way you guys can kind of see a little bit of a, either a newer setup or kind of just where I'm going to be at for the time being. It's really going to depend. But... As of right now, it's going to look a little empty and kind of this is going to be like kind of the view of the podcast for now. Don't worry, it will not be like this the entire time, I promise. I will probably put some stuff back up again. I'm just waiting to see, you know, what's going to happen after I move and then I can put some stuff up again and it'll look a little nicer than kind of seeing boxes and bags a little everywhere. But just for the time being, this is going to probably be how the next couple of episodes are going to look. Until I can get uh, everything else situated. And then also, for those of you that follow me on social media, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, now Threads. Apparently Threads is a thing now. So um, the CAV Sports Podcast does have a Threads. Um, so I was not able to post this week, bec- uh, this past weekend just because an emergency did pop up that was kind of like, you know, unexpected and, you know, I- things happen. You know, so definitely that was kind of effect that kind of affected. Uh, so... So I do apologize if you weren't able to, if I didn't post anything or I just wasn't able to get stuff up. It's just there was something that was going on and it was a little more important than doing the, kind of doing the social media stuff for the time being. So, but for now, we're kind of, it it seems like everything's going to be good for now. So hopefully we can kind of, you know, get, hopefully good things happen and we can keep on moving with the podcast stuff. Hopefully I can, you know, return to doing, you know, social media stuff for the podcast that we guys can kind of, if you're not able to catch the live stream episodes of the podcast, you can always go into social media and find it that way. Or if you need to find where to, you know, listen in or kind of the Spotify links or anything like that, you can go to my social media. Or if you want to just catch partial, partial, you know, elements of the podcast, that's another way to do it. But Hopefully, uh, we I will be able to post again on social media this week of this current episode, and also probably from the previous episode since you, since I didn't miss that week to kind of catch up a little bit. So you guys can also check out that episode as well. But enough talking and enough of you know the stuff going on right now. Let's move on over to the podcast episode. So first up, we're gonna stop at the NBA just because it's kind of it's a little bit of an interesting story about this whole scenario going on with Damian Lillard. So. It has been reported that Damian Lillard, and his this is from his agent, mind you, this was like per his agent, states that he does not want anyone else trying to trade for Dame. He only wants to go to Miami. <laughs> now, my problem with this whole thing about only going to Miami is that he doesn't have a say in this. He's not a free agent. He's asking for a trade. So you're going to go wherever they trade you. And that's kind of how it works. Like, sadly... He does not have a say in where he will go. He can only put recommendations where he wants to go. So I didn't really understand it, and I didn't really like it in the extent of, you know, thinking that he can just solely go to Miami and that's going to be the final say. Like, you know, it's like, well, if I don't get Miami, I'm not going anywhere. That's kind of how it works. It's kind of, you know, you go wherever they trade you, especially since he's asking for a trade since he's still under contract with the Portland Trailblazers organization. So now... 
with that, he's trying to he's trying to find a way to Miami. We all know he's trying to win the trying to win a championship ring at this point, and Miami's probably the best team to probably do it. Which I don't, you know, I do not find a problem with. I really don't. But what I do find an issue with is that he's trying to find a way to, you know, just go to Miami and that's it. Even though there might be good offers for the organization. Because keep in mind, that's what the or- it's going to come down to at the end of the day. Is what is the organization going to get out of Damian Lillard? And kind of what are they, you know, what are they going to benefit? What are they getting back in their investment? Along with who is going to give up the most for Damian Lillard? That was my, you know, kind of quote unquote of the podcast in the last episode. Was that who is going to give up the most for Damian Lillard? We don't know. Right now... He's solely set on Miami. However, I think he should be a little bit more open-minded, considering that he does not have a say in where he goes right now. Unless he wants to finish out the rest of his contract, and then in free agency, he hit the, hit the road to Miami, but we don't know. And also, I believe the owner of the Trailblazers said this probably will take a few months to get through, which I, I don't blame him. I mean, he's a top and you know NBA player right now. He's the best player in the organization, top 100 player, top 75. We all know you know, Damian, uh, Damian Lillard's record and, you know, what he brings to the table. It's just working out a trade with a caliber player like him is gonna be, like, a little bit of a harder case to do, especially since he does not, since, especially since he's not gonna be a free agent yet. So, what I think is gonna happen is that they're gonna try to find a way to give Dame what he wants. I mean, that's the most that the Portland Trailblazers owe him, especially since he's been loyal to the Portland Trailblazers for so many years. He put up with all the crazy things that they did. He put up with them trading away CJ McCollum and not really building a team around Dame, trying to you know build a team around Dame with young players when that wasn't working out. They didn't you know change anything. Like he put up a lot with the organization. And on top of that, they were never winning in the organization, you know, aside of that killer game winner in OK, when he sent OKC home, when he shot the three in Paul George's face, you know, he's given the organization that kind of, you know, memories, you know, all-stars, he's put, you know, butts in seats, he's, you know, brought up ticket sales, he was able to sell jerseys because of, you know, the high caliber player that he is. So we have seen that Damian Lillard has contributed to the organization, it's just that this is what he wants now. But we'll have to see what the Trailblazers are going to do and kind of what direction they're going to go with with this whole scenario happening because they're going to see who's going to either overreach or who's going to overpay or if it's going to be the right amount, who's going to try to lowball them for Damian Lillard. Like I said, Miami is the top favorite because that's where Dame wants to go. I know the Spurs are kind of the dark horse in it. They've been kind of saying that the Spurs have been interested in him uh, since he became, since he wants to trade. So who knows if Greg Popovich is going to try to get him. But overall, with this whole situation going on with Damian Lillard, I mean, it's going to it's gonna be a little bit of an interesting, you know, offseason for the NBA and kind of leading into the season to see how long this is going to linger. Because that's going to be the biggest question. How long will it take? I mean, the owner says it's going to take probably take a few months before they can work out a trade and see, you know, how much Damian Lillard is going to be worth to an organization, how much they're going to be willing to give up for Damian Lillard and make sure it meets. It's a little bit more of a, you know, of a, it's a good, it's a good amount for Damian Lillard, I guess is the best way to put it. And that's how the owners are going to look at it. And that's how the owners for these other organizations are going to look at it too. How much can we give up for Damian Lillard without breaking the bank, without giving up our whole future? Like, you know, what, you know, like what the Suns did with Kevin Durant. And kind of a little bit what the Mavericks did getting Kyrie Irving. Like, what can we do to get this superstar player out of a, out of a, out of a kind of an organization he doesn't want to be in anymore, and get him out without having to break the bank? Because that's what they're trying to do, and that's what everyone is trying to figure out, and how they're going to accomplish that is going to be the biggest question mark going into the NBA season. And it's going to depend on how long he ends up staying with the Trailblazers if this, you know, proceeds into the NBA season. Because if this proceeds in the NBA season, maybe they can help their case. Maybe he can help his case. You know, so, you know, if they play Miami, say, come get me. I'm here. I'm available. I want to come. Whatever. That could help. Or if it gets closer, you know, to the trade deadline, into the NBA season, and he's still there in Portland, maybe Portland will just, you know, cave in and take a little bit less to get him out of there. Who knows what's going to happen with Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. But in any of those scenarios, I mean, Damian Lillard wants to get traded, and that's what he's made vocally clear. And that's what he vocally has said that he wants to do. But with his agent saying he doesn't want to go anywhere but Miami, that's going to cause a little bit of a problem just because, 
you know, it's going to be hard to get to Miami because it's going to depend on how much Miami wants to give up. Now, on an upside, I think that it's not going to be that big of a... I don't think when the statement first came out, it was that big of a deal because he's not really the type of player that, you know, sends cryptic messages or, you know, unfollows organizations off of Instagram and Twitter, leaving everybody wondering or threatening retirement or whatever else some players do. He doesn't do that. You know, he's a stand-up guy. You know, he keeps his nose clean. He contributes to the community. You know, he, you know, he's a respect, you know, he's pretty well respected in the NBA as, you know, on the court, as of off the court. So I think that his statement saying that, I don't think it was really like, you know, something to be astraught about because we never heard anything from that, you know, anything from uh, anything, you know, in that kind of statement from Damian Lillard before. So I don't think it's really just, you know, him, you know, being like mean and, wanting to leave Portland and just say, ah, screw Portland, I'm out of here. Like, I don't think that's really what it is. I think it's just, you know, he's straight to the point. He's just said, I want to go to Miami, and that that's kind of final, you know? And his agent kind of come out and saying that. I did think, like, no, don't get me wrong. I thought it was weird that it kind of came out like that. But, you know, Dame, Dame is entitled to say who, you know, who he wants to go play for and where, he, you know, his preferred destination will be. Will it be Miami? I have no idea. Will it be somebody else? I have no idea. Because now with all this coming out and kind of him talking about going to Miami, who knows if anyone else is going to even try to get Damian Lillard, especially since he had, you know, since he's full, his mind is fully set on, you know, going to Miami. So we'll just have to wait and see in the coming weeks and probably a few months, like the owner for the Trailblazers said, it's probably going to take a few months for this to even go through, which might be tr true. It might even go into the NBA season. I, I could see this kind of holding out into the NBA season. I don't think Dame's going to hold out, you know, if he doesn't get the trade. I think he'll still play just because that way he doesn't lose, like, any, you know, he doesn't get rusty or doesn't lose his touch or anything like that or risk possibly getting injured when he returns because he's been away from basketball for a little bit. I don't think he's going to hold out this season, you know, because he wants a trade. I don't think he will, but we also just don't know because, you know, this is more of Damian Lillard's decision to make. Now, I don't, like I said, I don't agree if he does hold out, but I highly doubt he will. But we'll just have to wait and see in the coming weeks what's going to end up happening with Damian Lillard. All right, so moving on to the meat and potatoes of the podcast, the NFL. A lot of stuff is going on in the NFL. Kind of some interesting topics. First off, this one's kind of uh, what I heard today as of this recording. Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets have been selected to be on the next series, the next season of School of Hard Knocks. What? Now, do I? I like School of Hard Knocks. You know, first, you know, first off, I do like watching it. It's very interesting to see what goes on behind the scenes with an NFL organization and kind of what goes on in the training camp. You get to kind of see what the players are like outside of the football helmet and shoulder pads. So, you know, with them getting Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, which was the the most talked about topic in the NFL this this offseason, aside of Lamar Jackson you know, wanting to leave Baltimore and getting his contract. This was, like, one of the other topics that was most talked about, and now we're all interested interested to see, you know, who Aaron Rodgers is outside, you know, of the persona he puts on, like, with the media or anybody like that. So what it kind of finds me interesting is that, you know, all these kind of reports about coming from the Jets organization and other reporters in New York saying that Aaron Rodgers is different, he's fun, he likes hanging out with the young guys, he's not like what he was in Green Bay. You know, now I'm interested to see if this is true because, you know, school hard knocks, the cameras are always rolling, you know, when they're there in training camp. I'm interested to see what he's like out, you know, kind of in a setting of, not in a football mindset, you know, he's a little more relaxed. We get to kind of see, you know, kind of his personality outside of, you know, Aaron Rodgers, the football competing quarterback. And I get to see if Zach Wilson's really giving him a hard time. I highly doubt it just because of how well he plays. So whenever, whenever they got chosen for this, like I said, I was not, I wasn't really surprised because I figured they were going to get chosen. They were either going to get chosen or wherever Aaron Rodgers would end up, they would get the, they would get that season of school of hard knocks. And I also get to see, you know, what kind of breaks down with him and the young wide receivers. And we can actually see if he's communicating with the young wide receivers and kind of see, like, what his thought process is, you know, going into this new team and into this, you know, new facility. Now, what I will find hilarious if he doesn't talk to the media or he doesn't want to be on School of Hard Knocks. There hasn't been anything reported about that. 
But I will find it interesting if he doesn't want to do School of Hard Knocks, because then, I mean, he's hiding something. He probably doesn't want everyone to truly see how he is. I don't think he's going to be like that, but it's going to be kind of kind of interesting, and it's going to go on throughout all of training camp and the preseason. So I'm pretty excited to watch, you know, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. I mean, like I said, uh, whenever I started this, it's fun to see what they're like, you know, because we have to remember that the NFL players are all human beings at the end of the day. They all like normal people stuff, believe it or not, even though they're like, you know, athletic humans, you know, they can jump, they can run, they can catch, they can throw, they can kick, etc. We've seen that, but now we get to see, you know, kind of the more human side of, you know, of the organization and kind of see what goes into it, you know, and crazy things happen. I remember watching the Cleveland Browns one where I believe they cut a wide receiver and he just lost it. So it's very interesting to see. And I think for ratings wise for school of hard knocks, they're going to get a lot out of Aaron Rodgers since everyone's going to be watching how Aaron Rodgers, you know, interacts with his teammates, with Zach Wilson, you know, how he interacts with the receivers, what's going to happen during the preseason. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how he is going to interact and how this season is going to go for the Jets. And then we're all going to, we're all going to sit there watching what's going to, what's going to happen with them. And we're all going to sit there and watch and see how the Jets are going to unfold the season. Now, whether they be the star-studded team on paper that everyone believes they're going to be, which I think they they'll be half of that. I don't think they'll be the juggernaut that everyone believes they'll be this season. But it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You know, kind of just how that Jets organization are, is running everything and how they're kind of you know kind of adapting now that Aaron Rodgers is there and kind of if the young guys are learning anything or if they're you know kind of interacting with Aaron Rodgers and we're just going to see how that goes all together. Alrighty, so next topic. It ain't looking good for you Giants fans. Saquon Barkley's week one availability is in question right now. What? Now, where is this all coming from? Earlier this offseason, the New York Giants placed a franchise tag on Saquon Barkley, you know, because they paid Daniel Jones. Why? I don't know. He's overrated in my opinion. Whatever. Saquon Barkley is the main reason why they're winning games here. Now, Saquon, top running back in the league, when he's healthy, he's He's top running back, hands down. He's helped the Giants win a lot of games. He's been the reason why they win a lot of games. So, and he's arguably the best player on that on that whole team. If he's not the best player on the whole team, he's definitely the best player on offense. So, why did they not pay him? Now, there is the whole thing with you know you don't want to overpay running backs because you don't know how long they'll last. Obviously, we saw the example with Ezekiel Elliott. We saw it with Christian McCaffrey a little bit. Even though Christian McCaffrey is really good, he was also very injured, so he got a lot of money. You know, we've we're seeing that trend of they, that organizations don't want to pay running backs a lot of money because you don't know when they'll get hurt all of a sudden and their productivity can go down and they have a big hit on the salary cap. Like I said, what happened with Ezekiel Elliott? So, but for Saquon. My biggest thing is that the difference with that is that Saquon, you know, without Saquon, the Giants are going to suffer. And I think that's going to happen if he decides to hold out this season. If he does, if they don't give him a contract now, for me, I'm not saying giving, give him a five, six year contract with whatever guarantee. I think give him a, give him like a three year contract, see how he does. If he starts, you know, declining in year two, you can go in there and make, make changes or arrangements. You know, and then that way by year three, you're kind of out of the contract. Now, with Saquon possibly wanting to hold out here, I don't know what the Giants are going to do because I know their offense is going to not be revolved around Saquon, but without Saquon Barkley, that offense isn't going to work. I've already said the numbers in the past with Daniel Jones with and without Saquon Barkley. That's going to be more of the same again. Now, did they get more talent at the wide receiver position? Yes, they drafted someone and they drafted someone and they brought in Darren Waller. Will that help? I don't know, because keep in mind, whenever I saw Daniel Jones play, even though everyone said he was he had his best season this past season, or this past year was his best year, which I still don't think wasn't that impressive, only 15 touchdowns. Keep in mind, Russell Wilson threw more touchdowns than him. He had a bad season. Justin Fields threw more touchdowns than he did. Derek Carr threw more touchdowns than he did, and he had a worse season. There's a lot of players that threw more touchdowns than Daniel Jones, and everyone's saying that Daniel Jones had a great season this past year. I'm using air quotes here if you're listening in because I know you can't see it if you're not watching this on YouTube. So that's what I mean. But Saquon, from what we've seen when he came in as a rookie this past year, he was dominant. He was a top running back in the league. I know fantasy football players definitely loved having Saquon Barkley on their team. So that's what I mean. And that's why I think that he should get paid something. 
You know, I don't know about a max deal because, I mean, I do understand from the owner's perspective here that you got to be careful with running backs because if you pay them too much, you're not going to, you know, there is the possibility that they are going to get hurt and you don't want that to happen. So, you know, give them a, give them a little contract. I'm not saying a max deal, but give them, you know, give them like a three-year contract, see what happens, and then go from there. And then, I mean, worst case scenario, they only lost two years of the contract and a little bit of money, and they can always make it up towards the end. So that's kind of how I see it for Saquon Barkley. But the Giants obviously are going to you know, hunker down and hold on to this. Now, problem here. If he holds out for the season, he's losing out on $10 million of a franchise tag, which I'm sure his agent is, sell is saying, well, you know, I, I would love for you to get paid. I would definitely love for you to get more money because that means me as the agent, I get more money. However, he can't leave $10 million of a contract right then and there. So... That's kind of the dilemma I think Saquon Barkley is in. Is If he tries to hold out, he misses out on $10 million. However, he gets to see how the Giants are without Saquon Barkley. That's kind of the thing. And I don't think they're going to be good, that good without Saquon Barkley because they haven't been good without, with, without Saquon Barkley. They've been better with Saquon than they were without Saquon. Now... Now, I mean, devil's advocate, it can happen where the situation is reversed. If he if he holds out and they do good without him, then they they have more of a reason not to give him a contract because they don't need him. However, I don't think that's going to happen. So, hopefully Saquon does get paid. I think he's a great player. I, I advocate that he gets paid. He definitely deserves it because he has been the difference maker for the New York Giants. He's been the reason why they've won a lot of games. Now, last season, do I think, you know, it was him and Daniel Jones? I think it was more Saquon. I think Daniel Jones helped helped the Giants not lose, if that makes sense. He kept them in the game, in a sense. Like, he, he wasn't the deciding factor. He's not the game changer that the Giants have on their team. It's Saquon Barkley. I think he just helped, you know, helped kind of, kind of figure it out for the Giants in a sense of like, you know, they weren't going to blow a lead or something. Daniel Jones was able to kind of step up when he needed to, but he wasn't, you know, the dynamic player. It was Saquon Barkley. And without Saquon Barkley or when you took him out of the game, Daniel Jones wasn't that effective. So, and I saw that whenever I just watched the Giants play the Cowboys or when the Giants played the Eagles, they took out Saquon Barkley. That offense could not move to save their lives. And that was just the end of the story. I saw the all the matchups. It was really out of hand. But, Hopefully Saquon Barkley and the Giants do reach some sort of agreement because the clock is ticking for you Giants fans and it's clicking for the for Saquon Barkley because I've I'm blanking on the date but I know pretty soon that they, he's going to have to either sign the franchise tag or he's going to have to sit out the season and you don't want to sit out the season because you don't want the scenario of you may pos first of all he's going to lose 10 million dollars and he doesn't want to lose his leverage in the contract if say they have a good season without him and then they show that they don't need him and then he's going to lose more money that way. And then he lost out on $10 million and the possibility of a contract extension. So that's what I'm hoping Saquon Barkley and the Giants can kind of at least come to some sort of agreement. Even if it's a one year to three year. I'm not, I'm not advocating for five because I don't know how long he'll last in those, in those five, in the five year contract. Maybe just a three year, just so maybe, you know, after year one and two, they can go in there and restructure the contract that they need to. Or figure something out, but at least they got Saquon paid, especially since he has been the dynamic player that everyone thought he was going to be when he first got drafted into the NFL. You know, he's the face of the franchise, in my opinion. It's Saquon Barkley. So, you really can't afford to lose your best offensive player and the face of the franchise and, you know, the jersey, jersey sales and Saquon, you know, ticket sales, putting butts in seats because everyone would love to go see Saquon play. That's exactly what the Giants do not need right now. You know, with all this going on, especially if they're trying to put a little a good thing together for that offense, Saquon Barkley is going to be the necessity that they need. So the clock is ticking for the Giants and Saquon to see if he is going to play. Alrighty, so next topic, the L.A. Rams. This was a report this past weekend or a couple few days ago, this is my reaction to it. The L.A. Rams, it was reported a little while back that they have tried to force a trade with, you know, a trade for Matthew Stafford. That means they were trying to trade away uh, Matthew Stafford this past offseason. Why, you may ask? I don't think it's injury. Some people may say maybe because he's injured, the concussions, you know, how long will he last? You know, he was injured a lot this last season. I don't think that's what it is. I think what it is is the dollar bills that they paid Matthew Stafford and that Super Bowl winning team, and now that the Super Bowl team is gone, 
a lot of their stars moved on or got traded or whatever. I think the only one in that whole organization that is safe from being traded is Aaron Donald. Big number 99 is not going anywhere, but he has a giant contract. Cooper Cup has a contract. Matthew Stafford has a contract. Jalen Ramsey had a contract, which who knows on how much in guarantees they still owe him. You know, they, they owe a lot of people a lot of money. Von Miller, you know, he had a little bit of a contract. Who knows how much they owed him, him in guarantees. So, they have a lot, you know, they they kind of did the route of, you know, let's let's trade away our picks and our future for our Super Bowl ring right now. And they got it. They did it. But now the repercussions of that decision that the LA the LA Rams organization have done has now put them in the scenario that they're in. They don't have enough money to go get, you know, free agents. This past season, this past offseason, they rarely they didn't really get a lot of big free agents. You know, they're kind of trying to build in the draft. They had to go get uh, Stenson Bennett. They drafted him to be the backup for Matthew Stafford. Cooper Cup is still the top wide receiver there. Their offensive line, who knows what they're going to look like. Last season, they were not that great. Their defense was a little was decent, but it was not you know the dominant defense that they were during their Super Bowl run. So, looking at all that, the reason why they're probably trying to trade Matthew Stafford is because they're going to try to see if they can either get some picks back or they can get a little bit of cash back so they can hopefully in the future bring in those free agents because that's the problem. Because when you look at their team, you know, on on paper, they don't look great. They don't look like that Super Bowl team that they had because they lost a lot of their players. I believe they lost like eight to nine starters just on the defense alone. You know, they kind of got a little bit of people back, but not so much. They lost a lot of offensive weapons. You know, their top linemen, Odell's gone. Uh, I think uh, Jefferson was gone. You you lost a lot of key players, and Matthew Stafford was hurt last season, so like they had to bring in you know all these different people to hopefully make it work, and they ended up not having a good record at the end of the day. So now the Rams coming into this season are, you know, they're probably looking at it and saying, we're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. Like, there's no way we're going to do it with the roster that we have right now. You can try to believe in it or not. Do I think that they're going to be just as bad as last year? No. If Matthew Stafford can stay healthy, I think they can at least maybe get 8-8. Eight and eight. Maybe. They're not going to win the division, though. So the Rams are looking at this probably realistically and saying, well, here's our problem. We got to figure out either one if we got to get some picks back and get some young talent and build for the future or get some cash back so we can start bringing in some other free agents next season or probably during season whenever they start dropping people or when cuts start to begin after training camp and OTAs when they start cutting people maybe we can pick someone up and be able to afford that player so I think that that's the dilemma that the Rams are in right now and with that big old contract that they gave Matthew Stafford whenever they traded whenever they got him from the Lions it, it's starting to affect them, along with Aaron Donald's contract. You know, Cooper Cup has a contract. Whoever else has contracts, a lot of people are getting paid. And that, that team is not as strong, but, man, is that team really, really pricey and hurting the Rams' wallet right now. So that, I think the biggest shock to me with this whole thing was that they were looking to train Matthew Stafford because it, may, it raised the question if they believe in Stenson Bennett. If they're really thinking Stenson Bennett might be the next QB up if Matthew Stafford gets hurt and he'll, you know, he could do just fine. That's my, that was my biggest question. I was like, I guess they believe in Stenson Bennett or they like Stenson Bennett because, man, is he cheap because they got him in the later rounds. They didn't get him as a first rounder. They got him later on in the draft. So he is on the cheap right now, and they'll have him for for four years before they have to possibly, if he does well enough, you know, maybe get a contract. Or if they have to get rid of Matthew Stafford, they have him to come back up. Or if Matthew Stafford gets hurt, they have him to come in. You guys get what I mean here. So that's what the, I guess the LA Rams are trying to look at this, you know, now in a business and money-wise, especially since they got to pay a lot of people, is maybe it's just better to trade them away and get someone else to pay for their, their salary so, so we can possibly get out of it so we don't have to owe as much or we don't have to you know, cut these players and owe dead money, which I think is even worse. Because, I mean, I remember when they paid Todd Gurley a lot of money, former running back for the Rams, and they cut him, and they owed him a lot in dead money. So that's what I think the problem is with the L.A. Rams is that they're, you know, they wanted their Super Bowl ring, they got it. But now the time has come to kind of figure out what they're going to do without any money and with no, you know, no first-round picks or you know, whatever they had is just gone. They can't really trade much away because of they don't really have anything to offer. You know, aside of maybe future, future first-round picks, but they can't really give those up. 
And then along with that, they're already paying a lot of people a lot of money to be there. So they can't really just cut anybody because if they cut them, that's not going to be good because now they owe, they still owe them in dead money. And then, you know, who knows if someone else will pick them up and pay them the exact same amount and help out. I highly doubt it. So the Rams have just really put themselves in a predicament here, you know, with their Super Bowl team because, I mean, they were a really good Super Bowl team. Von Miller, you know, Aaron Donald, uh, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, like I said, all those stars that they had. And keep in mind, even Jalen Ramsey got traded. You know, he's he's in Miami. I believe he got traded. Traded or released, one of the two. But he's in Miami now. He was traded. Sorry. He was traded. Free agent. Whichever the case may be, he's in Miami. Now Jalen Ramsey is in Miami. I yeah, he was traded. So now he's in Miami. So no one is safe in that organization from being traded because Jalen Ramsey's gone. Von Miller, well, I think Von Miller walked out in free agency, I believe. And Odell Beckham didn't come back. They don't, you know, Bobby Wagner didn't come back. They're, you know, the only one safe is Aaron Donald. He's the only one that's going to be safe on that whole organization. Everyone else, it's up, it's free game. And it's going to be interesting to see what the Rams are going to do and kind of what the Rams are kind of trying to figure out and how they're going to approach this situation going into the future and seeing, you know, maybe if they can maybe not go so all in on superstars to win a ring because now they're seeing the repercussions of what happens when you pay a lot of people a lot of money for a ring and you get it and now it's time to pay up because now they're in a pickle. Alrighty, so next topic. So this one kind of bugged me a little bit. I'm going to have to defend uh, my quarterback, if you guys can see. Boom, I got the Dak Prescott jersey. I got to defend him a little bit today. Just because, if I mean, sorry about that. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can clearly see I'm wearing a Dak jersey. If you're listening to this on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, I'm on all three. Got a Dak Prescott jersey. I got to defend him because I kind of heard this take um, from Joy Taylor. She's a, she's a speaker on uh, the show Speak. She's one of the analysts there, TV TV, uh, TV personality, you name it, you know, very, you know, she's very, like, kind of, she's very respected, you know, in Fox Sports, you know, she's been there for a long time, she was there with Skip and Bayless, she was there with Colin Cowherd, now she has her own show, whatever, but this, 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 just this comment kind of irked me a little bit, the comment she made was that he's not talented, he's, uh, he's an untalented quarterback, I don't think that's what it is, and she always compares him and says he's like Kirk Cousins, I really don't agree with that, because Kirk Cousins, I don't think is that good, I've never thought he was that good. He had maybe a couple good seasons in Minnesota, but he's not as good as Dak Prescott. I'm sorry. Even when Dak first arrived, he was better than Kirk Cousins when he first arrived in Dallas, when Kirk Cousins was uh, quarterback for, at the time, the Washington Redskins, and now they're the Commanders. So here's my thing. Everyone harps on the interception situation this past season. 15 and he missed five games. I, I really get it. Now, I've harped on this on the podcast before. I've been critical on Dak Prescott. Like, I will not sit here and say that, no, like, I've always loved, you know, I always defend Dak. No, I, I've been harsh on him, too. Whenever uh, we lost against the 49ers, I thought a big reason was because he kept turning the ball over. And I, I stand by that. Like, he, you know, his turnovers was not helping the situation. You know, 15 interceptions is a lot, especially since he missed five games. You know, you know, he takes risks that uh, Kellen Moore offense that he was in was a lot of risk-taking offense. So, but I also see it as this was a reason, this is something that happens when you get rid of a star wide receiver in Amari Cooper, you trade him away for pennies to the dime, and you don't put anybody else to help. Because he only relied on CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup to an extent, and uh, not, not uh, Dalton Schultz. And Tony Pollard. But here's the thing. He didn't really have wide receiver help. Compared to Kirk Cousins, who has J Justin Jefferson, who's the best, who's the one of the best young wide receivers in the league right now. Definitely probably the best wide receiver in the NFC. So when you look at it and you say he's not talented, I don't think that's what it is. Because when you look at his numbers, he actually has a top 10 quarterback number rating. He's top 10 in passing... And passer rating, he's pretty high up there. His TD to interception ratio is pretty good. Even even with a bad season like this year with the interception and the turnovers, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. When you look at his entire career, he only averages about nine interceptions a season to 23 or 24 touchdown uh, touchdowns, which is a pretty good 
that's a pretty good margin, which is top 10 to all the quarterbacks that are currently playing in the NFL right now. He is pretty high up there. The interception thing is, I just hear it every time from different analysts and sports people, 15 interceptions is bad, 15 interceptions is bad. I get 15 interceptions is bad, but he still was able to make it work in Dallas. They still got to the playoffs. If Philly didn't have a great season like they did, they still ended with a really good record, 12-5. and Even with Dak Prescott turning the ball over more this season than he usually does. That's why I think that it was just, you know, it was just a bad season. Everyone has a bad season. It's going to happen. This isn't something where it's a consistency problem. He doesn't have a turnover issue. Now, when you look at, you know, maybe other quarterbacks that do, you see a lot of people see it as it's, you know, it's it's common. That's them. Here's another here's a quarterback that actually turns the ball over more than Dak, and everyone sees him as a top 5 QB. It's Josh Allen. Josh Allen turns the ball over a lot. Last season, he was top five, or not this one, but the season prior, he was high up there in interceptions. This past season, he was tied for second. He was tied with Kirk Cousins with 14 interceptions. He was right behind Dak Prescott in interceptions. He was tied with Kirk. He was tied with Derek Carr. He, he turns the ball over a lot. But, not, but everyone sees Josh Allen as a top five quarterback, even with those faults that he has. Even though he does turn the ball over, he fumbles the ball. We've seen it happen. He, we've seen him do it. Sometimes it costs them the game. But everyone still sees Josh Allen as a top five QB. Now, maybe he's probably not top three anymore because Joe Burrow has emerged on the scene, and I think he took that spot. I think now he's number two. So, And that's my thing is that when you say Dak isn't talented, but he does have the numbers to put it up. now, And then everyone goes to the playoffs. Like, well, he's two and four in the playoffs. He can't get it in the postseason. You're right. You know, it happens. You know, Aaron Rodgers actually isn't that good in the playoffs. He's great in the regular season, but we see Aaron Rodgers in playoffs. He wasn't that great. Even when they, the year they won the Super Bowl, their defense was one of the main reasons why they why they were doing so well. They were in the wild card. He still wasn't the best player out there. He won, you know, he won a Super Bowl, and I'll give you that. But other time, you know, outside of the Super Bowl year, the times he's made the playoffs, he wasn't the best QB out there. He makes plays, don't get me wrong. Aaron Rodgers does make plays. You know, he can keep his team in a position to win, but, you know, he some he doesn't perform all the way either. We've seen it. We've also seen it with other quarterbacks, and that's my point, is that, you know, it happens to everybody. And now, what I've, what I've been hearing and, like, kind of people discussing is, like, if it's going to be make or break time for Dak. Do I think that? I think so, because, you know, I'm like I'm not giving up on Dak entirely, but if we if if it turns the ball over a lot again, then it's a different scenario. But do I think he's not talented? And you know, going down to the question, no, I think he is talented. I think he's a talented quarterback. He can make it work, you know, especially having his ability to run the run to run with the ball to throw on the run, you know. He was able to make you know crazy plays work. He was able to thread the needle in some of his throws. A lot of you know, a lot of people didn't even think he was gonna start until probably about a couple years ago because of Tony Romo. We all saw how great he was when he first came into the league, and how great you know he's been good. He's been good enough to get us into the playoffs. You know, he arguably you can argue he's a top ten quarterback in the NFL. He's definitely top five in the NFC. I think he's top three in the NFC right now. So you say he's not talented? I think he is, considering. He was still able to have a top offense with less talent the season prior without Amari Cooper, only working with CeeDee Lamb, a Michael Gallup who's coming off a surgery, a, and a, a tight end and a second string running back. And they were still able to make it work and get at least a, at least get a win on the road against Tom Brady last season and was able to kick him out and kick him out of the playoffs. And then like, whatever happened in the 49er season. Now, hopefully. Dak, hopefully Dak can, you know, hopefully Dak and Mike McCarthy can help, like, kind of fix the situation with the turnovers, because I know that was the big thing going into the offseason, is that they're going to try to work on maybe simpling the offense because of, you know, maybe how Killam Moore ran his offense, it was a little more complex, it was, I want to throw the ball, you know, he was on a, you know, he stuck to a script, and that's what he stuck with. You know, now, you know, it's the reports that Mike's make. you know, Mike's doing a great job with the play calling. He's simplifying the offense, which is when the, when the offense was simple, Dak did really well when he first came in. So will this benefit Dak? Yes. 
you know, and will it help him a little bit? Yes, but now that he has talent that came in and is now going to help in Brandon Cooks, they drafted some more tight ends to kind of help for that tight end room. They brought in more running backs to help out. Ezekiel, it's gone. You know, C.D. Lamb is not going to be the only one targeted. You know, he's not going to be just the, like everyone just has to guard C.D. and take, you know, it screws up the whole offense because now they have Brandon Cooks, who's a deep threat. Michael Gallup doesn't have to worry about being wide receiver number two. And now, you know, now, now we get to see, now with more talent back, you know, they were able to add talent, and then obviously they added uh, Gilmore to the defense that just made our our strength even stronger, and then adding in our um, our draft pick in the first round, you know, adding him to help with the defensive running, especially going up against the Eagles in that stupid QB rush play. Now... We're going to see what this Dallas Cowboys team is made of, and now we get to see how Dak is going to be this upcoming season. Do I think he's going to throw 15 interceptions again? No, I don't think so. I really don't. I highly doubt he will because that's going to be very hard to do, especially now that you know, especially now that they're going to change things up and make things a little bit more simpler. And now that he actually has another wide receiver with him that can help that can help him out and CD, especially since he can, you know, since Brandon Cooks is a speedster and he can get downfield really fast you know they don't have to worry with Michael Gallup he can always be wide receiver three and then go on from there so with that all said and done like that was my issue with the not with when people were saying Dak is not talented I think he is because there's no way he's not talented even though he only averages about nine interceptions a season with 20 close to 24 touchdowns a season he's still top 10 in a passer rating, you know, with all the QBs that are playing right now since he's been in the league, and still able to run a top offense at the highest ability. And another thing that I've seen that, like, another argument that uh, people were saying that he's not talented is that, you know, when they've lost in the playoffs, it's been because of him. I don't think so. Because in, when he first came in and they played Green Bay, I don't think it was because Dak lost, because he came back in the game and almost beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers made a good throw. And then when they lost to the Rams, I don't think it's because Dak cost them the game. I think it's because the defense could not stop the running game against the Rams. They were not able to stop the run. And that's what was frustrating, is that the defense was the one that was costing the problem in that game. And then with Green Bay, they weren't able to pull up. You know, it wasn't good because... Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and he likes to play good at AT&T Stadium for some reason. And then he beat Seattle, which he did. I remember that play where he ran up the middle, flipped, and almost got the touchdown, and then scored anyways after they called it back, and they said it wasn't a touchdown. He still scored. So that was him. And then with Tampa Bay, everyone says, well, the Bucks were bad. They should have dropped that many points. I mean, they still dropped 30, you know, a pretty large amount on, you know, against Tom, ba- uh, Tom Brady. So, and then, like I said, the 49er game, I think that was on him because the turnovers were not helping. The defense stepped up, and then Tony Pollard got hurt. It was just a lot of things were going against that offense, and then the interceptions were not helping when he was turning the ball over. But he was still able to kind of keep them in the game because there were times where he went downfield and scored, or at least he put them in a position to score. So, I don't think that Dak is not talented. I think this season it should not reflect the quarterback that he is. I still think he's a talented quarterback. It's just... With this past season, it wasn't a good look for him. And now, hopefully with this next season coming up, with Mike McCarthy simplifying the offense, hopefully making it a little easier for Dak, we can see what it's going to look like. We're going to you know, we're gonna see how it's going to work come September, and we're going to just have to take it from there. But the notion that Joy Taylor made and some others make that Dak Prescott is not talented, I don't believe it because there is some other quarterbacks out there that are not talented that are somehow better than Dak, but but I think Dak, I think Dak is top ten overall in the NFL, and he's definitely top three in the NFC, at least in quarterbacks this season. So that's gonna be that's just like my my point of view on it. And that's kind of just my reaction to these comments because Dak is not bad. He's top. He has a lot of numbers that are top ten in the NFL. I already listed a few. He's done well since he came in, especially since he wasn't supposed to come in as soon as he did. And then comparing him to Kirk Cousins is just blasphemy because I think he's a lot better than Kirk Cousins, like a miles better than Kirk Cousins is. Even though he, even though, even though Kirk Cousins 
you know, everyone said he had a, a decent season. They only won one more game more than the Dallas Cowboys did. They were 13 and 4 while Dallas was 12 and 5. So, I don't so I don't think he's like a Kirk Cousins. I think he's way better than Kirk. I would definitely pick Dak Prescott over Kirk Cousins, and I think if Dak was with the Vikings, they would be doing a little bit better. Alrighty, so final topic for today, who will win the NFC West? That composes of Seattle, the 49ers, the LA Rams, and the Cardinals. I think it's going to be close between Seattle and the 49ers. I think Seattle's going to win it all or win their division this year. Here's why I have Seattle. Because there's a little bit more stability in Seattle right now. Let me explain. So, let's start with the Cardinals. They're a mess. They're they're chaotic. They ha- they got rid of Cliff Kingsbury because they think that they thought he was the problem. Then they brought in the defensive coordinator for or from uh, Philadelphia, and he's an awkward guy. Seen the videos with him and Buda Baker, and he, he's apparently an awkward dude. So who knows how that's going to work out? Along with D Hop being cut, so they lost a weapon on offense for Kyler Murray, who gets injured. So we don't even know how long he may last. They, and I believe they got the they drafted the Houston quarterback, the quarterback out of, out of U of H, and he's possibly going to take the spot. Um, he's probably going to you know be there if Kyler gets hurt or if Kyler doesn't return, you know, to start the season. So they're a mess. Like the Cardinals are just a mess right now. They are a wreck. So I don't really see them kind of having a good year this year because with everything going on right now with Kyler they don't have that much talent on their offense they're they lost their head coach they brought in a defensive-minded coach who knows what's going to happen with the Cardinals this season and I just don't think it's going to be a good one especially if Kyler gets hurt if Kyler gets hurt they're paying that man a lot of money to just be on the bench injured and playing Warzone which you never want to hear out of that statement so that, that's where I'm at with the Cardinals and then we just talked about LA they're tra- they try to trade Matthew Stafford away to, you know, hopefully get some picks or some cash back. They're not a mess mess. They just don't have talent on their team. That's the problem. Aside of Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald, outside of that, they're kind of, you know, Jalen Ramsey's gone. Odell Beckham didn't come back. Von Miller's not there. They don't, uh, Bobby Wagner's gone. They're not, they're not looking good right now, especially since the report came out that they were trying to trade Matthew Stafford away. To, or at least try to force one to get you know maybe some picks back. They're kind of they're trying to figure it out. I don't think they're going to be bad like they were last year, or I don't think they're going to be as bad as the Cardinals. But I definitely don't see them at least being top, you know, being the top of the division or being in t- on top of the whole NFC because I don't. Without with looking at their team on paper, it's not very talented compared to Seattle and the 49ers. They're just they're going to have a hard time this season in the division. Now let's move on to the two teams that I think are going to be neck and neck. Here's the difference between both of them. The 49ers have a great offense. The Seattle Seahawks just added another weapon on offense. They both have good defenses, especially since uh, Seattle added another corner to help with that new Legion of Boom 2.0. And then on top of that, the four, or going over to the 49ers, they have Fred Warner you know, manning that defense with Nick Bosa. However, the biggest difference between the two is that Geno Smith is the quarterback for Seattle, and we don't know what the, who the quarterback is going to be for the 49ers. That's my problem. The problem is that the 49ers don't have a QB right now. They don't. They, like, they really don't. They're hoping. There's been reports about Brock Purdy looking good. He's ahead of schedule. You know, With his injury and the, and the surgery, he's looking great. Problem. He's not been on the field. He has not thrown a ball. We have not seen a video of him throwing in a helmet, in OTAs, in training camp or whatever. He has not been there yet. He hasn't thrown the ball. So we don't know if he's truly ready to go yet. And it's a possibility he may not be ready to go yet because of, you know, his shoulder. You know, no one's seen him throw the ball. So now they got to move over to Trey Lance. Trey Lance has the same has the same issue he's always had. He's injury prone. He has not even completed half of a season. That's the problem with Trey Lance that I have. And I know the 49ers have that problem because they gave away so much to get Trey Lance and he hasn't even completed a full season. So they don't even have that big of a scope yet to get him, you know, to kind of see how he's going to do because he hasn't played enough. So they had to go get Sam Darnold, you know, just in case anything happens. Sam Darnold has, you know, in Carolina, I think he did pretty decently 
in Carolina compared to how he did to the Jets, and now he has a lot more talent with the 49ers. But the big problem is that we don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback for that organization. We don't know if Trey Lance is going to get hurt again. We don't know if Brock Purdy is going to be the same. Maybe Sam Darnold would be even better with the talent he has. We don't know if Christian McCaffrey might get hurt because he is injury-prone aside of last season. There's a lot of, you know, kind of questions that the 49ers have that the Seattle doesn't. Now, I think the biggest question is going to be how will Geno Smith perform, but adding Jackson Smith and Jugba to that wide receiving core with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and then Kenneth Walker III being in the backfield, I think he's going to be okay as long as he doesn't, you know, Geno Smith the situation like he did when he was with the Jets, which I don't think he will because he's, you know, he's seasoned, a seasoned veteran, he's been around the league for a while, he learned, and now he looks like, he, you know, what he learned is helping him out now. So, as long as he can stay the course, and he doesn't do anything more than he needs to, I think Seattle's going to be fine. And they have that defense, you know, that Pete Carroll loves to build up. So, that's going to be the difference maker between Seattle and the 49ers, is that who's going to be at that starting quarterback position come September. Because Geno Smith is already going to be there. But who's going to be there for the 49ers? Is it going to be Brock Purdy? Is it going to be Trey? Is it going to be Sam? Because it's already been announced that Brock Purdy's getting the starting job. Problem is, he needs to come in and play. Who knows if he will be ready to play come September. They're saying he's making advancements in the injury and the surgery, but he no one's seen him throw. You know, maybe when OTAs start and they go to, or not OTAs, when training camp begins and they got to go report the training camp, maybe he'll start kind of, you know, moving the arm a little bit, getting the ball throwing, uh, throw, start throwing the ball a little bit. Maybe it'll start we'll start to get a more of a clear idea of how the 49ers are going to go about this. Now, the reason why I say it's going to be close is because the 49ers still have a lot of talent on their team. Like I said, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, and that defense is still there. They still have Debo, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle Skittles, and they have C- CMC Christian McCaffrey and Isaiah Mitchell. So they're going to be, or yes, uh, Mitchell, sorry. And they're going to be okay, talent-wise. They can make it work, but they can't have a situation like what happened in Philadelphia when they were out of quarterbacks and they had to put in Christian McCaffrey, a quarterback, and they have to go shuffle around and see who they can find. So that's going to be the problem that the 49ers are going to have leading up into September. Who's going to be right there behind center once week one begins? Once they start the season, who is going to be starting? Is it going to be Sam? Is it going to be Trey? Is it going to be Brock? Will Brock return on time? Will he be able to throw at the at the level that he did last season? Will Trey Lance possibly survive and play throughout this season? And we can finally see, you know, if this North North Dakota State product will be good. A lot of question marks in the main position for the 49ers, and that is going to be the difference maker, in my opinion, on who's going to win this division this season. But I have Seattle edging it out towards the end, winning the division. But alrighty, that's going to wrap things up on this episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. Make sure you guys follow me on all of my social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Threads now, TikTok, at CAV Sports or CAV Sports Podcast. I This episode will be up on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. But until next time, I'll see you guys later.